Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Steve. And I'm Erica. So, Steve, we've been working through the Lord's Prayer mm-hmm. for the past few weeks. And in our last episode, we left off with the, the lines, forgive us our sins, trespasses, debts, whatever you want to use, as we forgive those who sin against us. Mm-hmm. So what's next? What's our next step in this prayer? Yeah, well, so uh, this this is one of those points where different gospel writers diverge a little bit in how mm-hmm. exactly they word it. The, the flow and the logic seems to be the same, um, but a reminder that the words we call the Lord's Prayer, there's sort of two iterations of it. Matthew has a version, Luke has a version of it. Matthew's version comes out of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says something like, and do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one, or sometimes deliver us from evil. We'll have to Mm -hmm. stick a pin in that. We'll talk about what we're being delivered from, who or what it is. Uh, And when Luke gives this version of Jesus' teaching on prayer, Jesus just says, and save us from the time of trial period, mm-hmm. uh, fade to black. Um, uh, so that, that's the, the material for us to, to cover. Um, and even though for folks who are used to using these words in church life, this feels like two separate phrases because we put one of those mm-hmm. churchy long pauses, you know, and uh, uh, lead us not into temptation, <gasps> but deliver us from evil. Um, this is really sort of one idea, one thought, mm-hmm. and maybe kind of like we talked about before earlier in the, the prayer, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those are two thoughts, but they're really, it's sort of Hebrew parallelism. It's the the, the first idea is your kingdom come. Well, what does that mean? Another way of saying that is, you know, for God's will to be done everywhere and all on earth as it is in heaven. And similarly here, there's this parallel about being not being brought into the time of trial, but, but what? While being delivered from evil or from mm-hmm. the evil one. So this is really one thought um, that now the, the, the train of thought of Jesus moves to. Yeah. And I honestly think these have to go together. Mm-hmm. We can't, you know, yes, we put that in that big church breath where mm-hmm. we all have to collectively, like when we read anything together, we pause at the same time. And um, But but they go, they really do go hand in hand. Deliver us, um, lead us not into temptation. So don't allow us to go towards temptation. Mm-hmm. But when we do find ourselves there, yeah. because we're human and we're going right. to do that. Right then we need deliverance from that. Right. And it, I think it, it, it's, it's almost, too, a reminder that um, it's not just keep me away from the bad thing, but, I mean, nature pours a vacuum, but instead mm-hmm. lead me in the right direction. So um, that that seems to be a piece of what's going on. It's not just, well, keep me away from temptation, but deliver me from and through out of uh, the presence of evil. In, in some ways... Uh, without saying that Jesus particularly has this psalm in mind, the the imagery that comes to mind is that recurring imagery out of um, uh, the 23rd Psalm about God being like mm-hmm. the shepherd who leads us in uh, paths of righteousness. Or, I had a Hebrew teacher who said the word is closer to ruts. So like like we're talking about like not just a road you could easily stray from, but like the, the road is worn down. So you're meant to be able to stay in the right path, and we have this way of mm-hmm. like deliberately wandering off. But but that, that idea of being led in a good way away from what's destructive and toward what's good for life now steve does this mean that you know we're led away from anything ever going wrong in our lives or you know does that evil part in the, in the second half of this phrase really come more into play because you know there are bad things that happen in life right 
And then there are evil things that happen in life. And and maybe that's a good way of framing it, is that it's it doesn't seem from like everything else Jesus ever has to say and the way he models living the kingdom of God life, Jesus doesn't seem to be saying that if you pray these magic words, nothing bad or unfortunate will happen to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that that's not what Jesus has in mind. So uh, let's, let's put to rest that illusion and that sort of, uh, distorted picture of Christianity that if I get the, the words right, if I pray right, or if I give to the right TV preacher or whatever, whatever the condition is, uh, the no bad stuff will happen. And I can just watch the, the raises come flown in my paychecks and the kids do better and better at school and everything goes I'll never through. get sick. I'll never yeah, get cancer. Yeah, yeah. Nothing, you know, if I pray this 10 times a day, every day, the rest of my life, nothing bad will right, ever happen to me. Right. And that doesn't seem to be at all. No. I mean, not only there's no evidence for that in the prayer itself, but in the context of how Jesus treats what it is to be his people. If, if anything, Jesus' recurring refrain is, if you follow me, you're signing up for additional suffering because mm-hmm. sometimes you'll upset people and they'll be mad at you because, number two, you'll be intentionally thrown into share the sufferings of other people more so than just mm-hmm. your own. And third, because life is like this and the world is full of sorrow and, and rottenness and death. That's part of what life is like in this broken world. So, uh, at least on three counts, we, we should be prepared for more than, <laughs> maybe more than our share of dealing with the evil of the world, not that if I pray these words that Jesus taught me, nothing bad will ever happen to me. Yeah, the rain comes on the righteous and the unrighteous. And while that doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means, but still it's the idea that, you know, good things happen to good people and bad things happen to good people. Right. Just praying this prayer does not mean that bad things aren't going to happen to us. Right, right, right. And it almost seems more like Jesus is interested in... uh, what goes on in our hearts that when we're talking about mm-hmm. being delivered from evil yeah. it's it's that keep us from responding to the rotten things that happen in the yes. world in ways that are complicit with or give ourselves mm-hmm. into that evil you know um i mean so throughout the whole story of the people of israel in, in in the hebrew scriptures there's lots of rotten things that happen sometimes the people say we brought this on ourselves we worship other gods and we were the, and sometimes it's rotten things happen because pharaoh has this way of wanting to make slaves out of the the hebrews um yeah. and nobody in the storytelling in the in the old testament says Says, we brought this slavery on ourselves. No, this was done to us. Mm-hmm. And God's response is um, to free them and to make it so they don't duplicate that and, and become that themselves. That they're delivered not just from the power of Pharaoh, but then when they become free, that they not become a version of that all over again. So when we pray that we be delivered from evil, it's, to some degree, maybe keep us safe, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But beyond that, there's also this um, don't let us give ourselves into willing complicity with evil as well. So when somebody attacks me, Steve, basically this prayer is telling, you know, reminding me not to then attack that person back. I think that's at least a piece of it, especially remembering, as we've talked about a couple of times, that the setting of these words of Jesus comes smack dab in the middle of this larger body mm-hmm. of Jesus teaching we call the Sermon on mm-hmm. the Mount. And for uh, what we call a chapter before this whole business of the, uh, prayer, Jesus has been talking about the right posture of not res- not continuing the cycle of, mm-hmm. of evil. And when someone does something rotten to us, that we get to be the grown-ups in the room and not return evil for evil, but instead we break that cycle and break that power of, of evil in that moment, that we're not giving ourselves into it. So at least a piece of what I think is going on here when Jesus talks about us being delivered from evil, well, I mean, one, it's don't let evil have the final say over us and don't mm-hmm. don't let the, the bullies of the pharaohs or the, the people who, who are victimizers, let, don't, don't let them win the day. But also there's this sense of don't let us be given over so that we end up getting infected with it and giving ourselves into that mm-hmm. evil too. You know, I had somebody once, um, we were talking about the Lord's Prayer, we were talking about this phrase, you know, um, lead us not to temptation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes 
that might almost get skewed as, as the fact that God would actually lead us, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so, can we flesh that out a little bit, Steve? Right. Like, what what is that actually meaning there? Because we know if, if we're following God's lead, yeah, yeah, and we're asking him not to lead us into temptation, is that saying then that... That God might do that if we that, didn't say these words, yeah. right? And I, that that that's I, I, I'm glad you raised it because as I think about it, um, in the in the New Testament book of James, there's this like digression too, where James will say, "Don't let anybody say that God is testing them because God mm-hmm. doesn't tempt people. God doesn't lead people in evil. Evil comes from inside our own hearts." Thank you very much. Um, and it almost like the early Christian church had to be clear about this and say, "Don't you go pinning God that God's trying to get us to, to mess mm-hmm. up." Um, God's not baiting us into sin, or, and and that God isn't like dangling, um, tempting things in front mm-hmm. of us, hoping that we'll mess up. Um, that 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 is a misreading, I think, of, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I, I I think in a similar way, there's this great line from the Psalms. Um, I think it's from, uh, in Psalm 51, where um, "Cast me not away from your presence, mm-hmm. but you know, restore unto me a clean heart." That that notion from Psalm 51. That and it, it's again, it's a wait. W- would God cast me out? No, that's not what. That's not the, the impulse. That's not the thought. But there's this sort of a please don't let go of me and hold on to me instead. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the idea. You know, like when. Um, my kids are walking on the ice in the winter time with me and I'm already holding their hand. They don't need to tell me to hold their hand, but we're walking on the ice and my daughter will say something like, Daddy, don't let go of me, but hold on to me. Oh yeah, that that makes sense. Nobody nobody is in their right mind mm-hmm. is thinking that it's likely that I'm gonna drop them or say, Ah, maybe I can make my kids fall, ha ha. No. And and I think in a similar way this this prayer lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil is like kids clinging to their dad's mm-hmm. hand on the ice, don't let go of me, but you know, bring me all the way safely. And and if that's right, uh, even in the right ballpark, then um I think that puts into context this idea. It's not like God's God is looking to trap us up or God is looking for ways to, to get us all on some uh, bad path or to, to kick us out of salvation or something like that. It, sometimes we might imagine that and maybe sometimes our culture has allowed bad caricatures of God to emerge, mm-hmm. but that's not not at all what's really going on in the passage. Because we've talked about this before, Steve, sometimes God will permit bad things to happen. Sure. But that does not mean by any means that he has caused those. Right. And, and he's the author of those. And certainly not that God's trying to get us to fail or to mess up. Like mm-hmm. God saying, well, they're doing all right so far, but watch what happens if I give them a you know, parking ticket. Now, you know, like, no, that God's not trying to get us mm-hmm. to mess up. Um, and again, it can sound like that sometimes. And sometimes we have this... Like misreading of the the plot line of the story of Job, and he treated it as like, ah, God's trying to get him to mess up. And that's not how that story goes either. No. But people who sort of like half remember Bible stories have a way of saying like that God's job is out there trying to get us to mess up. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's that's not it. That's not it at all. Um, and we can we might mishear it and think this is if I don't pray these words, God's going to either let all kinds of rotten stuff happen because I didn't pray well enough, or that God's job is to secretly test us and to see whether we're good enough. And if we don't pass the test. We get cast aside in the outer darkness. And that doesn't even fit with what Jesus has said about God in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus mm-hmm. has this great bit where he talks about it's, where, you know, the, the ask and shall be given to you. And he says, mm-hmm. you, you know, we, we human beings who are stinkers a lot of the time know how to give good, good gifts to our children. And if we know how to give, when your kid asks for an egg, give them an egg. And when they ask for a piece of bread, you don't give them a scorpion, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. If we know how to give good gifts. And Jesus' conclusion is, of course, God is that much better. God isn't a jerk. God isn't ever a stinker. So God isn't going to 
be the, the sort of person who's looking to, to set up ways for us to fail. Um, so, of course, Jesus would have us believe that God, God's not trying to get us to, to fall into temptation, that we have to petition, oh, please, please, God, don't let, don't let me fall into temptation. Mm-hmm. But, of course, God's always on the side of wanting us to be in that rut of righteousness, so to speak. And maybe it's just a reminder for us that, you know, temptation does come to us, and mm-hmm. sometimes we fall into it. Um, but we need to be, be more aware of the fact that we're falling into it in the first place. Sure, sure. You know, because sure. that's what helps us to not fall into it. So maybe it's asking God, okay, God, I know temptation's going to come my way. Help me to be aware of that temptation so that I do not then right, fall into right. it. And, and maybe it's helpful too. Like we have this way of importing onto words like this, and especially words like temptation, this whole like assumed divine point system like the, the fear is oh if i fall into temptation if i commit some sin that's it i'll lose points on a permanent record and if i get enough points off my permanent record that's it i'm going to hell mm-hmm. at no point is anybody wor- that's not the, the model that's not the picture and we said at the very very beginning of our series on the lord's prayer here that jesus does something intentional by setting up the prayer as a conversation between parent and child and to mm-hmm. call god father in heaven uh, beyond whatever other things you could call about god say you know call on god or names you could use for god rightly or metaphors you could use the central recurring metaphor is this image of parent to child which is not a point-based system it's not you know mm-hmm. scorekeeper and player it's not umpire and you know the, none of those kind of metaphors it, it has everything to do with this permanent unconditional relationship mm-hmm. um and there's no there's no losing on points and so it, when we hear this idea of not wanting to be led into temptation it's not with the fear of because if i do fall into temptation that's it i'm out but more like because God wants the best possible life for us and for everybody else. And mm-hmm. that when we turn away and, and go into other directions, um, there's a reason that God thinks those are not good choices. And it's either that it will hurt us or hurt somebody else or hurt God's creation. And God doesn't want other people to get hurt. I mean, it, it really does come mm-hmm. down to God loves people and wants to keep people and creation safe. Yeah, and if it were a point system, see, by the time we realized it was a point system... We're kind of screwed. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. We're never going to make up for the point system. Exactly. So I like that analogy. And I know you as a parent, you know, you would never keep a point system with your kids and say, well, well, you've done, you know, X number of bad things this week. And so guess what? I'm not going to give you dinner. I'm not going to give you breakfast. Right, right, right. You know, that's just not the way God works. And the the belonging isn't something that's up for debate either. There's no point at which if you fail to make your bed, you're kicked out of the family. There are consequences for actions. And yep, Mm -hmm. if you continue to do this bad behavior, there will be consequences for it. But your belonging... is non-negotiable. Um, and if that's the controlling image Jesus gives for how we're supposed to relate to God in prayer, that changes our, our approach to even words about don't let me fall into temptation. That it's not a, uh-oh, because if I get three strikes, that's it, God says I'm out of the club. That's not that's not at all how it works. Mm-hmm. There's there's a, um, a great, great image that sticks in my head. I'm first most familiar with it from um, a story, uh, a book by Daniel Erlander, but he's riffing off a story or an essay from someone else whose name I forget. But he talks about... Um, uh, the story of God's people as the the story of the pointless people. And the idea is that uh, basically human sin boils down to us looking for different ways to uh, make the world into a point system and who's got more points and who's better. Mm-hmm. And that really the, the the danger in the garden is us inventing this sort of point system of who's more mm-hmm. acceptable. And that, I mean, quickly Cain and Abel's story is that who's more acceptable, who's got more points. Mm-hmm. Um, and that part of what God's up to in the world is trying to help us unlearn that whole notion of 
did I get enough points? Are my points more than yours? I'm more important than you because I've got more points. How do you get the point? That's, none of that is, is from God. We've, we've invented that somehow along the way. Um, and maybe these words of Jesus call us back to, no, this is never about points. It's about if you're on the right road, stay on the right road. And, and the points when you're about to go off the guardrails, God, please don't let me drop. Please don't let me fall on the ice. And God's saying, of course, I'm holding your hand. Mm-hmm. So there's a second half to this phrase. Okay, yeah. So, so he is not into temptation. Yes. But deliver us from evil. Okay. And when I was in seminary, I, I was introduced to this concept, you know, because I never had read Greek before and didn't know anything about the Greek and the original languages. Um, so often when we hear this prayer, it, it's just that. Lead us not, um, deliver us from evil. Um, deliver us from evil. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting the phrases confused because that's what happens when you take the Lord's Prayer and break it into phrases. <laughs> um but I had a professor tell us that a lot of times, and, and I've noticed it in certain translations that I've read, it, it says, deliver us from the evil one. Yeah, yeah. The the My go-to Bible I carry with me is New Revised Standard Version, mm-hmm. and it translates it, the evil one. Um, the, the, the sticky thing about this, not to get too much into inside baseball here of, of New Testament Greek, but if you were going to write out the phrase, deliver us from evil, and the phrase, deliver us from the evil one, in New Testament and Greek, you'd write it the exact same way. They mm-hmm. use the word, the, the, a definite article, like our word the, a lot more than English does. So literally, if you had a copy of a, a manuscript of the, the Gospel of Matthew, it would say something like, deliver us from the evil. And in Greek, that's a way of saying the evil one, or you could also just be saying deliver us from evil. But um, maybe it's important for us to, to stop for a moment and to say... Uh, when we say deliver us from evil, it's not a prayer like we said a minute ago, dear God, don't let any bad things happen mm-hmm. in my life. Please keep everything sunshines and rainbows. Clearly that's not what Jesus has in mind. And that the evil one or, or uh, Satan or the powers of evil seem to be more in line with what Jesus is, is asking here. They were teaching us mm-hmm. to ask that God, that not, not uh, dear God, please don't let me ever step in a puddle and don't let me ever get a parking ticket. But, God, protect me from the power of the, the evil and the accuser whose job is to mm-hmm. get us off track and to get us turned away from God or pulled away from God. Now, that said, going back to our conversation we had several series ago <laughs> about uh, the powers of evil and, and uh, spiritual warfare, the, the temptation, speaking of temptation, the temptation when we talk about being delivered from the evil one is to treat that like it's a... Like evil or the evil one will only show up with horns and pitchfork in the red jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. And instead to say, no, there, there is the the possibility of getting complicit in evil all over the place. That You don't have to be smelling sulfur or hearing hoofs walking around mm-hmm. in order to feel like, uh-oh, the evil one's around. But every day is full of choices either to be about what, what God's priorities mm-hmm. are or to be turned in on ourselves. So to, to pray deliver us from the evil one has to at least be big enough to include the day-to-day mundane kind of choices or decisions I make, even if I don't see a little angel and a demon on my shoulders, like in the cartoons. <laughs> it makes me think of something I just recently shared with a covenant group, and since I was the one that shared it, I, I can share it here, about um, having, I was driving, and I forget where I was driving, but I had this guy tailgating me right mm-hmm. behind me, mm-hmm. and um, I get road rage a lot, sorry. <laughs> it's just the reality of being who I am, and I was really tempted to... Um, be not nice to this guy. Uh-huh. With gestures, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps with gestures. Uh, even more so. Sometimes that's just a thought in my head. Uh-huh. And this time it wanted to be physical. But yet, you know, I, I kept myself from doing so. Yeah. Um, because I'm a pastor and that's just the right thing for me. Oh, yeah. And I'm a Christian, too. So that's just the right thing for me to be doing. 
Um, but that's you know that's one of those little kind of temptation things. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not the devil on my shoulder saying, "Oh, you should gesture at this man and tell him that he's the world's best driver." Right. Um, <laughs> You're number one. You're number <laughs> one. <laughs> but you know, and and I think sometimes we forget about those type. You know, we don't sure. see those as temptations. We don't see that necessarily as evil. Sure. But yet, that's very much you know yeah. something that we're praying for. In yeah. this prayer, and and I guess I feel like too, it, it it it's it's really helpful that you raise like these ordinary everyday kind of circumstances and situations, um, and to see that this is part of the, the daily work that God's doing on us, and at the same time that we keep in perspective that the reason that these day by day little moments matter is not uh, a point system, like because no. it, it becomes so so easy to be like, well, God doesn't want me saying mean words to people on the road because otherwise that's five demerits, and I, I, I don't want to get into merit. I mean, like we're we're down into like Harry Potter point system for Gryffindor. <laughs> you know, like, that, that's not how it is. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like you accidentally cut someone off on the road and this booming voice says five points from Gryffindor. That, that's not how it is. And and seriously, that's not what God cares about. But really, it comes down to. Uh, everything comes down to the the essential vocation of human beings to love God and love other people, mm-hmm. and that that gets expressed in our words and our actions. It's not it's not that it's wrong or sinful or wicked to be angry, especially when somebody else cuts you off or tailgates or whatever. Mm-hmm. The question is, what will I do when I'm wrong? Will I respond in kind, or will I respond in a way that uh, is is gracious rather than and, and mm-hmm. like there it is. It's an everyday moment where the choice is: will I respond in love or will I not respond in love? Will I respond with graciousness? Or will I continue the cycle of rottenness? Um, and that means that the stakes for every action you know uh, mm-hmm. we take, every choice we make, are potentially it, it's about good and evil. It's about love or hate all the time, or love of other as opposed to love of self all the time. So that there are no meaningless choices in our lives. But it's not about points. It's not. It's not mm-hmm. a worry. Uh oh, I, I did this wrong thing, or I forgot to um, uh, turn on the dishwasher. Uh oh, five points from Gryffindor House. But instead, this in every moment, in every instance, there's the possibility: Are we going to be in line or in tune with the God's up to in the world, or are we going to be uh, discordant or out of out of step or out of tune with the God's up to in the world? And you know, Steve, for for my tradition um, and in my personal life growing up, the the main time I used this prayer was on Sunday morning worship. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't necessarily the, something that we prayed every day at home. Uh, even even today, it's not necessarily something I pray every day at home. It, it's still the regular occurrence. I can count on every sure. week of saying the Lord's prayer is on Sunday morning. Yeah. And so sometimes we think of this prayer as kind of like a high priestly prayer, where you know it covers such large and mm-hmm. broad things that we forget that. These are these are prayers that we need to be thinking about and praying every day. Yes, we have the daily bread part, and so we get that. That yeah. that's a daily thing. But forgiveness and temptation are things that we need that we deal with on a daily basis too. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it's helpful for us to remember that temptation isn't just the big huge things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just the, the devil in a pitchfork that's clearly standing in front of you telling you to do right. bad things. It's the little devil on your shoulder. It's you know wanting to yell and gesture at people that cut you off in traffic right you know and again it's not a point system but the more we can control those kind of things with the help of the holy spirit the more christ-like we're going to be on a more daily daily basis and hence we're going to be bringing about the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and and, and like i think those are the kind of terms we have to get back to like the why does it matter that we should resist temptation 
and to say, no, it's not about, because if I mess up so many times, I'll be voted off the island or something, but instead that what God's up to is trying to make us into the likeness of Christ. And that's not an optional thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like that, like, uh, there's, there's basic church membership and the VIPs are the ones who are being made into the image of Christ. God's job, and you hear, you hear this in the New Testament in particular, uh, I think of like places like Ephesians and Colossians, but this idea that, that God's intention, God's vision, you could say, is to make all of us to sort of reflect the image of Christ more and more fully. That doesn't mean beards and sandals per se, but that means like that the, the character of, of that kind of self-giving love would be shown more and more fully because that's what life was meant to be about. That's, that's how God has intended us to live with one another, this sort of constant putting one another, uh, putting each other before our own needs, our willingness to be gracious rather. Like that's what mm-hmm. life is intended to be. So it's not even like that God is um, saying, I've got a bunch of arcane rules and if you break them, I'm mad at you, but more like that God's sanding off the rough edges of us all the time and uh, trying to make us more and more fully into the likeness of Christ with each. So that, that's that's why it matters, this not being led into temptation. Not that if we do it too many times, we're out of the club, but more like God's goal is to make us to be more and more fully what we're meant to be. And mm-hmm. when we when we give in to those voices that we call temptation, it's like settling for being less than we know we're meant to be. And mm. so it's, it's some sense of being less fully fully human, less fully uh, God's, God's children, less fully what God says we're, we're meant to be. Like, um, so, I mean, sometimes the, the temptations in our life are little, and sometimes they are big and the stakes are big, and we know it. I, I, in conversations I've had over the years with people who are in recovery from various kinds of addictions, um, they are constantly aware of how one small step can lead yeah. them down a bad path. And and if you you know have the conversation academically, intellectually, you know before the the relapse, is oh, I don't want to relapse because I, I hate it and I feel miserable and it's whatever. Mm-hmm. But man, there's that power in that moment of like, who cares? It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And it's mm-hmm. easy to, to to give in in that moment. And once once you do relapse, before you get back into to recovery again. The, the people I know who've struggled with that aren't happy there. They're not like, oh man, I'm, I'm so glad I started doing drugs again. Or, I'm so yeah. glad I started drinking again. It's miserable. There's a sense of being less than fully what you're meant to be. And I think in some sense, like every day is a possibility to be more and more fully human, what God has intended us to be and be less than. Um, and for whatever else Jesus is, in addition to being fully God, part of what the scriptures claim is that Jesus gives us as full a picture, this is what human looks like at its best. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Jesus shows us sort of the beauty of what it is to be fully human, and that so many times we settle for being less than, and we treat others like they're less than. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that seems to be a big piece of why Jesus cares so much about all these things that we label sin. It's not about points. It's about why would you settle for your suffering? Or why would you settle for being so much less than what I've meant you to be all along? Here's, here's what it is to be truly human. This conversation is making me think of, um, and it's somewhere in the Sermon Mount. I'm not exactly sure where it falls, but where Jesus says, "Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect." Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it makes me think of, it, in my tradition, and my older brother in the faith, John Wesley, talked about uh, perfection and love. And, mm-hmm. and while that doesn't mean that we do everything right the first time and we don't ever make mistakes, the idea of perfection and love for for Methodists, for Wesleyans, is this idea that. You know, we are going on to perfection. We, we are trying to live up to being the best that God wants us to be and who mm-hmm. God has made mm-hmm. us to be. And that means, you know, every time that temptation comes our way, you know, occasionally we're going to fail. But hopefully the next time that temptation comes our way, we recognize it and yeah. we don't we don't fall into it. And then maybe some new temptation comes forward and, you know, we fail, you know, we fall into it a couple of times. But then eventually we learn that temptation and we, we're able to not 
And it's just this constant cycle to, again, become more Christ-like, to become just who God created us to be. Because God didn't create us to be, you know, sinful people. That's just, you know, that's the nature that we were born into. But that's not what God wants for us. Right. It reminds me of this whole notion of... of, um, the, the Wesleyan category of perfection love reminds me of when I was in like 10th or 11th grade math class and learning about asymptotes, you know, like those places where the curve on the graph approaches infinity and it never reaches infinity, but like you can tell, oh, it's pointing toward infinity now, that's where it's headed. It's, you know, it's a, the, the line is headed straight up or it's headed straight to the, the, the y-axis or the x-axis, whatever. Um, but like it never ever reaches it, just like pi, and you ever get to the end of pi, but you know where it is. It's about 3.1415, dot, dot, dot. That's about where it is, and that's mm-hmm. where pi is headed. No matter what are the, the other digits are, that's the ballpark, that's where you're headed. And in some ways, I think like the, the, the Lutheran in me, the, the Lutheran tradition tends to be so wary of, we can't ever get perfect in this life. We can't because we're just such messes and we keep messing up. And okay, I, I, I get that. I want to be able to, to, to say honestly, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to be able to get this on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, I, I know where the, where the direction is headed. I know that, that God's shaping us in the direction of love. Um, and it's at least obvious to me that the, peop- the things that make me more and more like Christ are closer to what God has in mind for mm-hmm. me. And the things that don't resonate with Jesus seem to be not what God has in mind for humanity and for our life in the beloved community together. So even if uh, the, the Lutheran um, stubbornness in me wants to say, and I'm never going to get there this side of glory, that doesn't mean I don't even try. It doesn't mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean give up on it. It's almost like a, a, a scientist keep trying to calculate more and more and more digits of pi and build computers to do that. Not because they think finally we'll finally get to the end of it, but like they want to be as precise and closer and closer and closer. And in some sense, I think that's what God's up to, making mm-hmm. us more and more and more fully like Christ. And to say that that's God's intention isn't to say God will only love me when I'm a certain degree of Christ-likeness, but to say that's what God's intention is for us all along, is to make us more and more fully like Christ, and that that's the spirit in which we hear that be perfect as your mm-hmm. Father's prayer. We talked before how when Jesus says that in the Sermon on the Mount, in the context of talking about the way God recklessly loved people, he says, you know, God, God loves the people who are uh, rotten and ungrateful and wicked. That's, and, and when you do that, that's how people know you're children of the Heavenly Father. Therefore, be perfect as your Father is, yeah. is perfect. That it's, it's not a point system. It, it, at no point is Jesus saying, um, if you mess up, that's dings on your permanent record. You're not going to be perfect enough like your Father is perfect. You get out of the club. But it's this kind of reckless love, that's what, that's what is most at the heart of God's character, maybe. So th- that's, what it, that's what it looks like to be perfect. So th- the Wesleyan notion of being perf- perfect in love is, is right on. It's not like perfect in posture or perfect in grammar. I mean, like the thing that matters in the end is love. Yeah, it, it, the whole point is eventually we want to get to a point, hopefully in this life, but we know definitely in the, in the next, mm-hmm. that everything we do is purely out of a motive of love. Yeah. Yeah. Not out of pride, not out of self-serving, yeah. but purely out of a motive of love. Yeah. And like Lutherans, we realize that we're not going to, we're probably not going to get there, yeah. but we're a little bit more hopeful. <laughs> yeah, Lutherans are just willing to be pessimists right off the bat, right? Um, uh, there's this, there's this um, other uh, fragment of a, of a hymn, it's from the Shaker tradition that sticks in my head. It's probably like the one Shaker hymn that anybody knows because it's the melody, sometimes it's called Simple Gifts, sometimes people know the hymn oh, yeah. uh-huh. of the dance. Uh-huh. And that one line of the hymn goes... It, it, it pictures the, the Christian life in terms of being simple, and simple in a good way, not as a synonym for being dumb or, or not lacking intelligence, mm-hmm. but like elegant and like all the other stuff cut away that doesn't matter. And so the, the one part of the hymn goes, When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we shan't be ashamed, but to turn, turn will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. And I love the idea that 
in, in this life right now, there's so much rottenness and self-centeredness and insecurity in me that I'm afraid of admitting my mistakes. Of I don't want to let people know when I've made a mistake. And we have this human tendency of when we're caught doing wrong of doubling down and saying, no, I didn't do wrong. You're wrong. You can't be like, we have this way of not wanting to own uh-huh. up to our mistakes. And the thing I love about that hymn is that there comes a point, this, this point out in the future when we finally get it, when love sort of finally wins out in us, that we won't be ashamed anymore to own our mistakes, but we'll be willing to turn and turn around all over again uh, until finally we sort of come out the, the right way in the end. Uh, and I love that idea that, that right now, recurring stinker that I am, when I mess up, uh, I have to go through this ongoing pattern of first, I don't even want to admit that I did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, come up with excuses. I want It's not my fault. I want to scapegoat. I want to, it's not, mm-hmm. it's somebody else. Uh, and finally, you get to this point of, no, I own it. I got to deal with it. I got to work on this. And we, we have to struggle with the shame of that. Now, oh, I messed up. And now other people saw that I messed mm-hmm. up. Um, and that maybe at the point when love gets through to us is the point when I am free to own my mistakes and my failures and be like, yep, I messed up. And now I'm going to start over, and I'm not ashamed. I'm just, we're starting over here, and and to be so free that I don't play the covering it up game or the but what do they? What about what they did? Or that you know that mm-hmm. what about isn't that we sometimes do? Like that's what I think it looks like to finally get this. That uh, when I, I'm no longer afraid or think I need to hide or be ashamed of, but like, okay, yep, I messed up, and I can own it, and I'm sorry that I wronged you, and we're going to start over. There's something freeing about that. That's that's sort of the direction that God is is leading us or making us as well. That's free of the baggage of worrying about points. Mm-hmm. Steve, as you were talking about, um, you're looking for a scapegoat, not wanting to admit our own mistakes and everything. I'm thinking about the section of the prayer, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. Well, that's still a plural pronoun mm-hmm. there. Um, it's including me yeah. when I'm praying. It's yeah. not, not lead them from temptation, lead, right. you know, um, deliver them from evil it's deliver me yeah and so often we we live in this culture where we do love to look for the scapegoat we love to blame somebody else for right. our problems even if that somebody else is is the devil and Satan. right 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 um and and so that was just an interesting you know like oh yeah i need to be willing to just you know live up to my own mistakes my yeah. own sin and i need to work god and i together need to work on me not falling into those sins again yeah the um we, we talked at the beginning of this series that um we have to remember the plural when we talk about you know giving us our daily bread and that reminder i'm not just asking for me and my needs but that god would take care of other people as well and now the flip side like when we're dealing with the ways we mess up and sin the temptation is to only focus on other people and be like well and i'm just fine right jesus and instead to, yeah like you're saying we have, we have to recognize that to to pray to ask that we be delivered from evil is not only keep me safe from dangers and hurricanes, but also where there's stuff in me that's rebelling against you, um, win out over that and, and break that down mm-hmm. in me. Um, and, and, yeah, so we can start over again and become made more and more fully into the likeness of, of Christ. Well, that brings us to the end of the canonical words of the Lord's Prayer. Yes. Um, uh, that that's the the end of what we find in the gospel, and we have uh, more than spent our time talking about even just this part of the prayer. Uh, so go team! Um, but we hope the conversation has been valuable over these weeks as we've talked about the Lord's Prayer, and um, we'll pick up with more conversations next time. See you guys. Bye.